0: Well, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. We got Gideon's army this morning, amen? We got the mighty, the people, the real church goers. Praise God. I'm just playing. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord? Are you excited to be full of joy in the Holy Ghost? Amen. Did Anyone have a good sleep last night? Praise God. I had a good sleep. And so it's an honor to be here. And I tell you, we had... So much fun last night, me and Pastor and his wife, you know, we'd say hanging out at Applebee's, just had a good time and talking about God's word and talking about the things of God. You know, when you're with faith people, you can talk about this, that or the other. It always comes back to God's word. Amen. It always comes back to the things of God. And you can tell you with real faith people, when you don't just sit around and talk about people all day. Right. Talk about the word of God. You know, you with church people when you sit around and talk about people. You're with God's people when you sit around and talk about God. Amen? Amen. I won't say any more about that. <laughs> it's truly an honor to be here. And, you know, the more can I have a little more on the mic, just a little more so I don't have to get my prayer perfect. That's good. Can you hear me with that? Is that distracting? That's good. And I just have a tremendous honor for your pastor, Pastor Steven. Ms. Connie, did they call you Minister Connie or Ms. Connie? Ms. Connie, I'm going to call you Ms. Connie, amen. And Ms. Connie, I have a tremendous honor for you, and it's an honor to be here and stand in this pulpit. And anytime I stand in a pulpit, you know, I know what it takes to build a pulpit. Praise God. And so I think we're going to have a good time in the Holy Ghost. Did you receive last night from the Word of God? We talked about last night walking in revelation knowledge, and uh, we're just going to keep going forward in the things of God. Is that okay? Just build one upon another. Amen. Did you receive? How many woke up feeling the joy of the Lord in their heart? How many woke up feeling the peace of God in their heart? Amen. Praise God. Well, go with me, if you will, to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 7. A very popular uh, scripture that we have here. And I want to talk to you this morning a little more about the things of God. <laughs> the things of God. We're talk about the things of God in church. Is that okay? Are you here this morning? <laughs> Amen. You got up early to come, so you might as well get into this sermon. Amen. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. The Apostle Paul is talking. We'll start at verse number 6. He says, for I'm ready to be offered. I'm ready now to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. Then he says in verse number 7. It says in verse 7, I have fought the fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Now, we could approach this at a lot of angles, but I want to approach the angle this morning when the Apostle Paul says, I have finished the race. We talked about yesterday the fact that every time, any child of God that's born again, we call it a path, we could also call it a race. Every child of God is placed upon a race, placed upon a road, and there is a difference Between the Apostle Paul and a lot of us believers, a lot of Christians, people that you will one day see in heaven. You will one day walk the golden roads with them. You will one day go before the throne of God and worship with him at the throne. But there's a difference between those Christians and the type of Christian that we would call the Apostle Paul. And the difference is this, is that in the Apostle Paul's life, he saw something called movement. Someone say movement. The Apostle Paul was not a stagnant Christian. He was not a Christian that got born again and got saved and comes into the house of the Lord. Just comes in and just sits there and, well, praise the Lord. Well, bless God. Praise the Lord. How many of you have ever seen those Christians before? They come in in 1994. They're dealing with an issue. In 1995, same problem. 1996, same problem. 1997, the year of heaven. They Not the year of heaven, amen? It's the year of just going through the same thing. Same problem. 1998, same problem. 2005, the year that we're no longer going to strive, right? And I guess what happens? Same issue, same problem. What is the problem? There is no movement inside of their life. They are just sitting on the same course, and they're just stagnant like this. And the Apostle Paul was telling you, are you here this morning? Can I come at you firing? Is that okay? The Apostle Paul was saying in Scripture is that there was something about him that no matter what you threw the Apostle Paul's way, he even described some of the things in Second Corinthians chapter 11. He says, I was shipwrecked. He says, I was stoned. He says, I was beaten with reeds 39 times, save one. The Apostle Paul probably did not list all of his problems inside this chapter. There was probably other issues. And oftentimes I think, well, the Apostle Paul wrote Romans. He wrote First and Second Corinthians. He usually would name his haters in the back alexander the coppersmith he did me much harm stay away from alexander you know paul would put you on the hit list he was like that you know what i'm saying the apostle paul if he didn't like you you can make those letters and guess what did they know that they would be canonized and set in stone at all the churches for the man you did the apostle paul wrong the people from generations was going to hate you amen they're going to know all about you who is this alexander the coppersmith guy because we know he was bad praise god that's what happens when you mess with god's apostle you get messed up right People gonna vilify you for a long time. You might see a, a Alexander the Coppersmith in heaven. You never know if he got it right. You're gonna to get to heaven and be like, Yeah, Alexander the Coppersmith Yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me. Yeah, well look what Paul yeah, that's what I get from messing with Paul. Amen. I can go on a tangent with that. and uh, But the Apostle Paul, he would name all of his issues. Name all of his people that were messing with him. And he would talk about his problems. A lot of times he would say, I was shipwrecked. And then you know what I think is funniest about that? Let's go to that verse. This is a morning session. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're talking about movement today. How to have spiritual movement inside of your life. Is that okay? I want to talk to you about how to get unstuck. Unstuck. We're going to call this sermon unstuck from the rut. Is that okay? unstuck from the rut. I'm not a real title person. I can't think of titles to save my life. You know, I just can't. Someone told me one time, this this the pastor would say, I need a title for your sermon. And I would say something like, well, you know, call it the Believer's Authority or something. That's Brother Hagin's title. Well, that was a good title. Well, we could just reuse it again. Why well, we got to come up with all these new titles? You know, re- <laughs> I heard some messed up titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It says here in verse 23, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I'm more in laborers, more abundant. That right there, he says in laborers, more abundant. He could be talking about 10 or 12 problems right there. Laborers, more abundant in stripes above measure in prisons, more frequently in deaths. Often verse 24 says from the Jews five times. I receive 40 stripes. I think this is funny because this isn't from the Greeks. This isn't from the Gentiles. This is from the Jews, his own people. It says here, thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Someone told me one time, you see, Paul, he used narcotics. No, he did not. (laughs) All this pressure. Thrice I suffered a shipwreck. A night and a day I was in the deep. In journeyings often. So he was always in journeyings. Perils of water, you know. Paul, notice Paul said, in journeyings, often as long as I was in the Rich Carlton, I didn't mind journeying. In journeyings, as long as I was in a five-star hotel, Paul had no, a lot of times he had to use those tents he was making and in. Amen. In perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, perils by the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren. Paul's race was filled with perils, 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 perils. And then look what he says in weariness and painfulness and watchings, in hunger, in thirst, in fastings, often cold and nakedness. And then Paul and his humor. I think it's almost a humorous statement because Paul was the master of time. And go to verse number twenty eight on the screen. He says, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, here's the grand finale. Drum roll, please. My deep concern for all the churches. In other words, when he was going through all of this stuff, he says, You know what? The biggest thing that applies pressure in my life? When I think about the church that I started at Corinth, when I think about the regions round about Galatia, when you come into my mind, when I think about but the Judaizers that are now trying to corrupt the pure doctrines of the Lord Jesus it is all my labor. Has it all been in vain? Do I need to come around again and find you and instill back in you the very foundation work of Jesus Christ to get you away from these things? This is the thing that is now being a pressure to me and causing me the most difficulty. But the thing the Apostle Paul had mastered was this fact. And I want to get over you to smoke. See, I'm preaching this morning. Last night I was t- This morning I'm preaching The thing I want to get over you this morning is this If you are not going through all those problems It doesn't matter if you're sick in your body this morning It doesn't matter if you're weary in your soul It doesn't matter what kind of issue That you might have It is possible for you to tap Into the same flow of God That the Apostle Paul tapped into And still have that movement inside of your life When you get on that same race You might have perils to the right Perils to the left Robbers and countrymen Jews and Gentiles speaking bad about you, weariness and painfulness, all the things that would try to come to you, but you still can find a way to continue along that path and keep on trucking like they would say. Amen. You want to actually change the title. This sermon's called Keep On Trucking. Praise God. (laughs) Got to keep on trucking. Eddie Kendricks, you remember that from The Temptations? Keep on (laughs) trucking. Motown. That's where I'm from. I'm from Motown. So, honestly, you know, I'm from Motown. I used to pass Hitsville, USA every single day when I was doing hospital visits. I knew a little bit about Motown. <laughs> Who wants to keep on trucking? Raise your hand. We're going to just keep on going. What, what do you mean, brother am We'll keep on trucking. We're going to take the load of glory and just keep on moving till we get to heaven. Amen. Does anybody want to know how we can keep on tracking? Keep on going. We need to have movement. Praise God. We need to find movement inside of our lives. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Let me show this to you this morning. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. You can always tell the believer when he's moving in the things of God. Have you ever noticed that? You can always tell when a believer is believing the promises of God. Why? Because a believer is believing the promises of God. They're not perfect. They don't have everything in order. There has never been a time in my life, Pastor Steve, where I could ever say, everything's good right now. Yeah, I got no problems. All my family members are saved. All my family members are see, They may all get saved. That's one thing. But to get them to all stop acting crazy, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> that's a whole other thing. I'll see you in heaven. That's the best we can do for you. Amen. We can believe the Word of God, but, you know, I know as much as you pray for people, some people just don't want to change, especially family members. Was, you know, if I had a church, there's some family members i would say, "Now nah, you're welcome to come to my church, but we have a seat for you in the back. Amen? You stay back there. You sit back there, praise God. You know, because family members, you know, you know how we all, some people come up to me and say, Brother Palmer, I have this family member. They're just so messed up and they're so crazy and they just, you don't understand. I said, welcome to the club. You got family members like that too? I said, yeah, just because I'm in ministry preaching the word doesn't mean I have family members that, you know, get it right. You could be doing so good in the things of God, so good in your spiritual walk, so good in your journey. And then you have family reunion coming up. You're thinking, oh man, I got to go to the family you know, when I go to the family reunions, we have the nurses in the family. Praise God. We have the businessmen in the family. Bless the Lord. We have the engineers in the family. Praise God. And then we have this guy. What do you even do? Or well, I'm Chris Palmer. I wear my Chris Palmer Ministry shirt today. I said, okay. One of my special friends got this for me. And I told them, they said, have you been wearing that shirt? I said, you know, I, I didn't want to lie to them. I said, no, but I'll make use of it. I'm going on a trip. I'll wear it to one of the morning sessions. So if they ask, I wore it, okay? <laughs> Just in case you forget who I am, okay? name tag and then you get to the family reunion and then they look at some you know when i try to explain what i do still to this day when i try to explain what i do to people that are even even christians they say so what do you do i was with the guy yesterday he says so what do you do i said well you know i'm an evangelist what do what do you mean i go what, what does that mean what do you do i said, well, i go to churches and preach the word of god i host my own services and i go on you know i travel and preach the word of god really what is that all about i said have you ever read the bible yes well you know there's more than pastors in the bible right you know still to this day there's more than pastors in the bible yeah i know that okay well guess what i'm the other thing that's not a pastor okay i travel you know someone told me that someone told me i said really so you fill in for preachers i said well i get invites and stuff and they said so are you a substitute preacher i said oh my god yes i'm a substitute preacher i'm a renter preacher you want to rent me Come on, I'll come and run around the church and laugh and jump and shout. You can pet me, amen. You can talk to me. I'll do, you want me to sing? I'll sing. You want me to jump? I'll jump. You want me to laugh? I'll laugh. What you want me to do? No. You have to have a sense of humor about these things, you know, as you go, because you have to in order to put up with feeble mindedness, the Bible says comfort the feeble minded. You can't take yourself so seriously all the time. You know, I stopped taking myself so seriously a long time ago when I realized that the power of God can move through someone that's just free, not always bound up by religion. Amen. How would I get into all that talk? You can always see when someone's believing the promises of God because some Christians come into church. I'm going to show you how to get that flow this morning. Some Christians come into church and they're always like this. They're giving an offering bucket. Finally, you ask them, what's going on? I'm trying to believe. Leave me alone. <laughs> trying to believe. They got their... Sermon, okay, getting in their car like this, always mad, going before God. Oh, I'm trying to believe, I'm trying to believe, I'm trying to believe, I'm trying to believe. All year long, they've been trying to believe. They've been trying to believe, they've been trying to believe. But when you talk to these people, all they have is negativity is coming out of their mouth. Criticism is coming out of their mouth. You know what their problem is? Is their root system that they have inside of their life. When I see someone who is, I'm not talking about someone who is occasionally negative and most of the time positive. They might be just going through something. And you did help them I'm talking about someone who is always negative Someone that is always cursing Someone that is always talking bad Someone that is always bitter You know what this tells me about that person? Their root system Or their foundation Their root or their foundation Is rotten It is bitter Somebody has laid a root of bitterness Inside of their life And guess what that causes them to do Stay stagnant in 97 I was believing God. In 98 I was trying to believe God. In 99 I was trying to believe God. No motion. Pastors, if I was full of, if I had a room full of ministers here today, we could identify with the same person that is dealing with the same thing. And here's the thing. Problems don't always get solved overnight. But How you assimilate to that problem should be changing. You may have the same person. You may have the crazy family member like we were just talking about. And you might come up in June and say, I have this family member. And you might be in shambles. But the more the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, if that person refuses to change inside of your family, guess what can change? You can start changing and your attitude towards them. You can start going from glory to glory as you run your race, not allowing this person to affect you. What do you mean? You might have the issue but in july you have a little more love towards that person in august you have a little more love in december there's a little more love come next march this person cannot get to you because you have fortified yourself with so much love and when you see the pastor next time you say how's that crazy family member of you doing oh praise god i pray for him every day you're no longer pulling your hair out all upset because this family member won't leave you alone why? Because you've learned how to change. You know what this is in your life? It's called motion. You are now going down that race like the Apostle Paul. Am I talking to someone this morning? Is this any good? How would you like to learn how to do that? Is that okay? All right, good. So, Hebrews chapter, i will take a little turn. Hebrews chapter 5. <sighs> the reason, well, let me say this. And then you have the other Christian, and they come in. You have one that's stagnant. Then you have the other Christian. He comes in. He always, you see the look in his eyes. You see that he's believing the promises of God. You see the way he talks. Things are not going. How many of you have ever known a Christian like that before? Raise your hand. All of a sudden, someone that, you just know things are not going well in their life. You know that they have issues, they have problems, things that probably are beyond them. We would say it like this. They were dealt a bad hand. They were dealt a blow that they could not necessarily have control over, but they keep going in the things of God. They're always praying. They're praying in the Holy Ghost. They're worshiping God. They may have had a bad doctor's report come their way, but you know what? It has not moved them. They're still believing the promises of God. They really believe it. They're not trying to believe. They actually believe. And you will find over a process of time, just like a snake that has skin on its back, it will eventually shed that thing and go on past that thing and move past the dead things that are in their life. Why? Because they kept on moving and they kept on going. But when I see someone that's moving and I see someone that's going dead ahead like the Apostle Paul, you may have all these things to my left and my right, but Something is in me, causing me to go, and I want to talk to you this morning. If you're going to have motion in your life, you have got to have fuel that is fueling that forward motion and that forward progress in God, and there is a fuel Bless God that the Lord has provided every single person here today. And if you can learn how to refuel yourself with that fuel, nothing in heaven, nothing on earth, nothing death, life, no pestilence, disease, sickness, sword, nakedness, peril can stop you. Why? Because it is the ultimate fuel that will drive you down your path into everything that Jesus said that you could be. Amen. Does that sound good? All right. Okay, look what it says here in Hebrews chapter five. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. Now I am convinced, convinced, there is, there is nobody that can talk me out of this. That the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. People say, how do you know that? I had to write a paper in college. Some people believe Clement of Alexandria wrote it. Some people believe Barnabas wrote it. There are those that believe Priscilla wrote it. There are those that believe, I'm sure some people believe Titus wrote it. But you know what? I personally believe Paul wrote it, and that's because when you compare Hebrews to a lot of all his other writings, he uses the same examples. No, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. Someone to say Paul, Brother Hagen said that he believed Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, and someone says, "Why do you think Paul wrote the book of Hebrews?" And he says, "Well, Jesus told me." <laughs> Can't argue with that. How about that? Right. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be understood, senior you dull of hearing. For when the time You ought to be teachers. Now, verse 11 is interesting because people think we go back to verse 11. I know I'm going quick this morning. Because the sun is coming out. Praise God. It says we have things that are hard to say and hard to explain. See, and you've become dull of hearing. Now, notice what he didn't say. He did not say that these things are hard to be understood. He did not say that. Well, Paul's hard. Some people make an excuse. They see that and they see their way out and they skip over the next part. He said this. They are hard to explain to you, Christian, to the Hebrews, the people that want to go back under Judaism. These things are difficult. And he says, because you have become dull of hearing, you know, when you're dealing with a Christian, you have something from God. We were talking about this last night. Certain types of Christians. Right, Pastor Connie? Just I keep calling you Pastor Connie. I'm going to call you Pastor. You, Pastor. We have some Christians. You can walk up to them. God can share something. God can speak something to your life. We're we'll going to talk about revelation in just a second. See, here's the difference. Revelation that comes from God is what God is saying. Principles is what God has said. But revelation is what God is saying right now. This very second. See, we have become, in modern American churches, principalized. We want to give you principles. Here's the thing. I have learned this. If you want to change the hearts of people, you can give them the word of God. But if you really want to penetrate their heart the quickest, their heart the quickest, you have to learn to tap a flow of revelation knowledge. Why? Because a principle. See, if someone comes into the church and they're hard-hearted, mad at God and angry, full of bitterness and resentment, guess what? They have become dull of hearing. They have dulled their ear down to hear. You can get up all you want. You can preach true principles to them. You can give them all the principles that they want to hear. 16 ways to change your life. 17 ways to turn around. 19 ways to have success. 18 ways to overcome anger. But unless you can get into the glory of God, which is revelation now, And give them what God is saying their heart is never going to be changed because the principle can't change a person's heart. It has to be revelation knowledge that explodes inside of them. Are you listening to me today? That's why some people are turned off from the church Because all oh, it is is principles Well today we have four ways to change your life Today we have eight ways to do this And I don't really have problems with principles Principles are good because they're what God has says. But when you want to start going to a higher level We're going to talk about this in just a second What you need to do The apostle Paul even taught this Is that we have to tap into a flow of the spirit See there are going to be obstacles There are going to be problems There are going to be issues that come your way And here's the thing about it No book is going to be able to teach you how to get out of it None. I can't find a book in family Christian stores at all. That's good. People say, well, oh, he sure has mentioned family Christian stores a lot. They're one of my sponsors. <laughs> Just playing. You can't find a book to do it. Why? Because your problem is custom fit. Did you know this? That there are custom devils, custom demons, custom spirits that are out there, custom fit, who have been observing you, who have been watching you, who will isolate you and try to pick you out. Pick you off and knock you down Why? Because they have been watching you They have been examining your family They're like they're, they're, they're like these spies That are in war that just Start looking at you, examining you, trying to find Handles to pull. They've been watching you for the longest Time and guess what? They begin to align The perfect storm inside of your life And it becomes sometimes, they string so Many things together, it becomes so Complicated to try and get out And no book that was written by any author can pull You out. The only thing that you have Is a weapon of God strong enough to deliver Deliver you from that problem. And it starts with a revelation that comes from the Holy Ghost. Are you listening to me? So we must find revelation. Revelation is simply a term that denotes hearing God speak. And hearing what God has to say. Are you with me this morning? How can you get that? Well, let's see what Paul said about it in Hebrews. He says, "For in the time you ought to be teachers. See, this is part of the path. You ought to be teachers. Here they are on their course. They started off as children of God. They started off as born again. Right, They get born again, and now it comes to a place in their journey, in their walk with God, where God has tapped and called them from the very beginning, actually even before they were entered into the kingdom of God, to be teachers. Now they've gotten to the place where they should be teachers. And Paul says, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have become the need of milk and not solid food. Now if you have your Bible, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me show this to you, and keep your... Hand in 1 Corinthians, excuse me, Hebrews 5. Go to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And verse number 1. This is why I think Paul wrote Hebrews, because he talks the same in Corinthians. He says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal. This is not a compliment. This is an insult. This is something that, this is a rebuke. He says, as carnal, as... To babes, babies, spiritual babies in Christ Jesus. It almost sounds like he's talking to the Hebrews in the book of Hebrews, does it not? It sounds the exact same. This is why I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. It says, I fed you with milk. I fed you with milk and not with meat. For he there woe, you were not able to bear it, neither yet are you now able and look at number three for you are yet carnal and there is among you envy and strife divisions are you not carnal it's walkers men? now go back to hebrews five because he's going to define to you what it means to be carnal here's the thing carnal christians now sometimes you see carnal you think they were fornicating they were doing bad things they were lying they were cheating they were stealing There were some people in Corinth that were doing that. 1 Corinthians 5 will tell you about the man that was sleeping with his father's wife, which was his stepmom. It wasn't incestual. He just had a different wife than the one that was his birth mother. But look what it says in carnal. Carnal, according to verse number 11, is being dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. Not having the ability to hear what God is saying. You don't want to know It's so sad about people that are dull of hearing. Usually they're religious. And they do not know that they are dull of hearing. How can you tell someone's dull of hearing? Me and Pastor Connie were, and, and Pastor Steve were talking about this last night. They say things like this. You can tell them God has been ministering to you by the Spirit. You've been in your prayer closet hearing from God. See, I can always tell I was telling a young man this not too long ago. I can always tell when someone 's baptized with the Holy Ghost more than more than often when I get around them long enough. Why? Because someone that is baptized in the Holy Ghost and praying in tongues, they will have a you know an illumination about their life. their life will be full of light, their eyes will be full their speech will be seasoned with light they will, you get around them and it 's like you 're next to a light bulb that 's turned on they 're just pumping radiating electricity, radiating life. You can see behind their eyelids Jesus every now and then peeking out at you. You ever see someone that God peeks out of their eyes? Sometimes you're talking to them, and every now and then, it's like their eyes are smiling. You ever see that? They're just always, you know what I'm talking about? Just happy. Happy to be happy. I'm happy to be happy, praise God. They may have their mornings, but praise God, they're just full of light. You get around them, and there's, there's almost, what's the word I'm looking for? It's radiant. Luminescent is what their life is. Is that a good word? Luminescent. Praise God. They're luminescent. And there is also, see, you can always tell people when you spend time in the presence of God. Because there is a scent that comes off of that person. And I use the word scent because it's something that, I'm only using that because it's something that you pick up. You can always tell when people are fooling around in sin as well. Now, don't be suspicious. Don't try and be suspicious. You know, what did Brother Hagin say? What we call discernment sometimes is the gift of suspicion. Amen. You can always tell when people are messing in sin. Because because people will know you by the Spirit. They know. They they may not know the sin. And they may not know how long you've been fooling in sin. But you start messing around in sin. It's, you're going to lose your confidence before God. You're gonna, not going to be looking at people in the eyes. Not gonna wonder, how you doing? Okay. You got something to hide. You got something to hide. Are you listening to me? You don't want to mess in sin. Now, you're not saying you're not going gonna to lose your salvation. But what I'm going to say is this. The reason why Satan wants you to get you into sin so bad is this. He knows that if you sin, you ain't going to hell. I mean, you could eventually lose your salvation. But if you do one thing wrong, you get into sin. Just all of a sudden you do something, right? You still love God. You repent. He knows you. He has seen you repent a hundred times before. He knows you're going to use First John one night. And you're going to repent. So why is the devil trying to pull you into sin? You know what the primary reason the devil tries to pull you into sin is? Is because he knows that sin is going to destroy your confidence before God. Sin doesn't affect your sin. One sin is not really going to affect your position before God. You're still the son of God. You're doing something against your nature you should not be doing. But the real thing that sin is going to do is going to start destroying your confidence. You are not going to have boldness to approach the throne of grace. See, faith works by confidence. Faith works by boldness. If you want faith to start working in your life, you have to be able to approach the throne of God. And what causes that is confidence. For your righteousness to really work the way it should, you have to have boldness to walk before God and to enter in as a son of God. And sin or doing something wrong is going to keep you from doing that. I remember my brother one time was sitting outside on the driveway playing around, son of my father, sitting around playing with a baseball bat, just swinging it. Playing around. We were young kids. And I was climbing a tree over in the yard. And all of a sudden, I saw my brother Mike just swung that baseball bat. And somehow, he hit the taillight of my dad's car. <laughs> Hits the taillight of his car. And I look at him. And he looks at me. Like, look like he just got a deer that looked in headlights. just he was like, like saying, do you see what I just did? I just smashed dad's headlight. And I was like, yeah. And he ran in the house crying and ran upstairs. And I'm like, well. I don't blame him for not telling Dad because if he tells Dad, he's gonna not be able to sit down for a long time. He didn't sit. He didn't tell my Dad. Didn't tell him. Told my mom. My mom said, "We won't tell you, father." I love you. We're just gonna. Sit, let's. We're gonna find out if he finds out, right? He uh, He was a mama's boy, you know. I Was a mama's boy. A mama's boy. I was a daddy's boy. Well. My dad never found out until about ten years later when we told him, and he laughed and thought it was funny. But you want to know something? I get probably for about two weeks. My brother wasn't comfortable around my dad. He was, hey dad, hey hey dad, how's it going, hey dad? And then one day he was outside, my dad and his friend. He goes, oh, it looks like someone hit my tail light on my car. My brother was standing there, and you know his palms were sweating. My dad's gonna see right through me, right? What was this doing? This offense. Towards my father, messed up his confidence around him. Did my dad love him less? No. Did my dad want to throw him in the room and lock him up in there with chains and torture him? No. Would it have messed with his position as a son? No. But what did it do? didn't do anything towards my dad. It did something inside of him. And guess what? For my brother to use his right as a child to say, hey, dad, can we go to Toys R Us today? Mm -hmm. You think we go to Toys R Us and look at toys? You are my dad after all. You know my brother wasn't doing that. Uh Uh-uh. This is what sin, this is what missing the mark, this is what offending God is going to do inside of your life. You start fooling with sin, it's going to be harder to come before God and say, Hey God, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? God delights to give you the kingdom. He wants to give you all good things. But when you start doing that kind of stuff, it's going to prevent or withhold or restrict your ability to go before God and do that. Why? Because your heart is condemning you the whole time. That was just a little free nugget. Was that good? So Hebrews chapter 6. How much time we got left here? It's 11 o'clock. It says, of whom we have many things to say. Hardly be uttered. Seeing your dull of hearing. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you need that one teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. And become as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful. Someone say unskillful. Unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is as a babe. How can you identify someone who is dull of hearing? How can you identify a babe in Christ? You can identify a babe with somebody who is consistently winning from the bottle, winning from the paps of scripture. Just all they're doing is sucking on milk. And the word of God says, if all you do is suck on milk and take milk and drink milk and never move on to meat, you are dull of hearing. And you are as a babe and you are carnal. Notice it's not talking about people that are in sin. It's talking about people that are dull of hearing. You know what a colonel, you know what a babe does? Have you ever seen a baby inside that's one year old, maybe nine months old, walking around moving outside of its crib, walking like this? My my nephew didn't start walking until he was an adult, you know, until he was like one and a half. Now he runs everywhere, but he didn't have much balance, falling all over the place. But see, when you're a babe in Christ, you can't start moving down the path that everything God has for you. You're just staying immobilized as the babe. Hey, feed me. Feed me. where I don't like the color of the carpet. Wah. I don't like what Pastor's preaching on. Wah. Why is he still on this series? Where where Did you see what they looked at me? They made fun of my dress. Where? Ah, I don't like the guest speaker. Where? I don't like the books in the bookstore. are Wah. Ah, shut up. They've been like this for 10 years One of those big babies They have a big clothespin diaper on They look like they're 40 years old A diaper made out of a sheet with a clothespin in it You know what I'm talking about? People dressing up like that For everyone that uses milk is unskilled From the word of righteousness for he's a babe But strong meat belongs to them that are full of age Those who by reason of use Have their senses exercised To discern good and evil Now here's the thing What is meat and what is milk? Here is what I'm going to show you today There is a difference between milk and meat. Write this down if you're taking notes. This will produce movement in your life. Milk is good. Milk does a body good. Praise God. Milk. Milk is the fundamental foundational doctrines of the things of God. Paul went into Corinth. He says, I fed you with milk. And I came back again to feed you with meat. But you were not able to hear it. What is milk? Milk is good. Milk nourishes. It builds strong bones. It is a calcium resource. When you drink milk, your bones are going to get stronger, right? My mom, I never liked milk. I'm still a pop fanatic. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And all that's within me. Bless the Holy. What's that? So that <laughs> soda. You guys don't say pop here, do you? Who says pop? Raise your hand. Oh, she said pop. Praise God. Soda pop. Soda. Oh, we'll compromise. Soda pop. Soda. Is that good? You know, down south they say Coke. What kind of Coke do you want? What kind of Coke do you have? We have Sprite. We have Mountain Dew. We have Orange Coke. We have all sorts of Coke. We have Pepsi Coke. That's what they say. You know, you go different places. If you go over in Europe, the Europeans, they don't like ice in nothing. I asked them for ice. They looked at me like ice. I said, to make this thing cold. You know, I like cold drinks. We don't have ice. I said, wow. And then when the Europeans come over here, they don't want anything with ice in it. Everything's no ice. Anyway, that's your geography lesson for today. So, milk is good. It's a calcium resource. It's going to start strengthening your bones. When someone gets saved, born again into the kingdom of God, one thing, not the only thing, but one thing we need to begin to do as a healthy church is begin to instill them the fundamental doctrines of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Paul said in Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Go to 1 Corinthians 14. Let me show you. We're talking about keep on trucking today. Talking about unstuck from the rut. How to get yourself moving because I see a lot of Christians. I was one of those Christians. I can identify. I can understand when you're stuck on something. You're stuck on something. Here's the thing. Doctrine. 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 Doctrine is not going to pull you out from that rut. Doctrine is not going to bring you up and out. Well, I can't believe you said it. I have nothing against doctrine, but I know its place. And Paul tried to make an argument for its place in Hebrews. Now watch this. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6. If I come to you speaking in tongues, what shall I profit you except I speak unto you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine or teaching? Notice what he's talking about. Four ways to address the church. He says, I cannot come to a church in a public assembly and stand before you and say, open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter four. Here is our lesson for today. I'm gonna to speak forty minutes. Ready? Roko kebenjo. Now someone a hot he a Now lift your hand and say Amen. Do you know the Corinthians were doing this? And Paul They say he walked as a short man that walked like this. Comes walking in. And then uh oh here comes Paul. Paul had to set the orders in the church. Comes look can you imagine Paul walking in there? He talked about his appearance. He didn't have he probably wasn't a very handsome guy. Some say he had a hooked nose, looking at them. And correct not that if you have a hooked nose, you're not handsome. Well, we can have surgery to fix that kind of stuff. Amen. They didn't. He had a hooked nose. He had a hooked nose. I wonder when people get plastic surgery, when they get their glorified body, is it going to reflect the changes that were made here on the earth? <laughs> it's an updated glorified. Oh, God. They got a they got plastic surgery. Do an update on that glorified body. Toot, toot, toot. All right. All of that. We want to be able to recognize them. Amen. Some people have so much plastic surgery, you're not going to recognize them in heaven. Is that you? Yeah, it's me. It's me. Now, the apostle Paul came in and says, this is what they were doing. And he put them in check. And this is why he said, he says, I can't come to you speaking with tongues. What shall I profit you? Why? Because... What Paul was saying is that your language, he says, now, I would you all to pray with tongues. I pray in tongues more than you all. If you took every single person in the church at Corinth and you added up the amount of hours or minutes or seconds they spend praying in tongues, I take all my time praying in tongues and I pray in tongues more than all of you combined. And that's why I'm the one standing before you as the apostle with the revelation to correct you and pull you up out of this stupidness. So the Apostle Paul come along and he says, well, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either? These are ways to profit a church. These are ways you should address a church. Number one, by revelation. Number two, by knowledge. Number three, by prophesying or by teaching. Revelation is when you hear the voice of the Lord and what he is saying for right now. I can tell you this. The revelation that he was getting at that time, the doctrines are the same. But the revelation, this could be understanding as to what is going on in the realm of the spirit why are our prayers not getting answered what kind of spirit is over Corinth right now what kind of spirit of antichrist is operating what kind of spirit is over the Delaware Valley what do we need to do to stop our prayers from being hindered how do we bind the static that's going on that is keeping from prayers to come answered you are hearing the voice of God you have revelation working in your life or he says by knowledge this is after you have applied the revelation you see how it works it is timeless principles that work over and over again. Knowledge is a weapon. Are you listening to me? Or by prophesying, speaking to you for your edification, exhortation, or in comfort, It is a word of exhortation. It is a word of comfort. It is actually a word of rebuke or correction. It is a word that pushes you forward and edifies you. Or by doctrine. In other words, I'm coming along and I'm going to teach you doctrine. Because when Paul set up the church, I'm very possible they had doctrine classes. Very possible they went over systematic doctrine. Let's talk about the fundamentals. Let's talk about the things. So he said, these are four ways you can address the church. Now go back. Go back. Go back. What has happened? Why churches are powerless? Why miracles don't happen? Why people? There's no move of God. Here's why. Write this down. Doctrine cannot produce a move. Doctrine can't produce a move. People are carnal and stay stuck because they are so afraid of going beyond doctrine. When we're about to see in just a second that doctrine is a foundation that you are to build upon after you have laid the foundation of doctrine. Doctrine is the root. Revelation is the fruit. Are you listening to me today? Doctrine is the milk. Revelation is the meat. Once you have system and assimilated your digestive system to breaking down the nutrients that's inside of milk and absorbing them and making them a part of who you are then you are ready to digest things like meat. You're ready to put those things in your body because your body is now ready for it. Are you listening to me? You start giving people revelation without building inside of them doctrine. They may choke on it. It actually may cause them to die. But when you start building doctrine inside of them, you are saying I'm laying a foundation for you. And this See, you don't pour concrete on a foundation. Nobody buys a plot of land and says, I'm going to put a store here. You say, Come on in, construction company. The construction company comes in. They take sounds of the land. Okay. Yeah, this is all solid here. Okay. They listen to the land. They say, Okay. Now bring in the digging. They bring the dozers in. They bring in the caterpillar cats. They start digging the land. Now they have a big, giant hole. And they start taking cement. Cement. That's how they say, it. Cement, praise God. Cement, cement, cement. Like guitar, guitar. You know, in different ways, the same thing. They start taking that cement and they start pouring that foundation and nobody says, "Okay, great. There you go. And the guy that owns the land says, come on and see my foundation. It's wonderful. Come on over. Look at this. Look at this foundation we have. Isn't it awesome? Day after day. Look at this foundation. Look at this foundation. Look at this foundation. Wow. How is this foundation benefiting the community? How is this foundation producing money? How is this foundation producing any business? How is this foundation helping anybody? As a matter of fact, this foundation that is so solid is now becoming an eyesore because you are not doing anything with it. This is what we have in church, Christians. They have a foundation. They understand the repentance from there. Look at the foundation. Let me show it to you real quick. This is why we have people that are stuck. They're carnal. Why? Because they have not built, not gotten away. Paul says we're going to leave it. But what he means is we're going to build upon it. Look what it says here. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Look at what he said right here. Leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ. Leaving the principles of the doctrine. Did you realize? Do you know what he said right here? Go into a seminary, a theological institution, and tell them that. And they will get. Now, boy, you better watch out with that scripture. You don't want to mess around with that scripture. Just leave it alone. Well, just leave it alone. You know what? We don't really know what that means. But it's just safe you don't mess with that scripture. That's like a bomb waiting to go off. Just leave that there. We'll ask Paul later what that means. You know why? Because they are so scared. They are so frightened when you get away from doctrine. When you get sucked, there's of that I know. They are smashing everything that's full of power miracles, signs, wonders, healing. It doesn't matter. Any type of manifestation. I know there's some goofy ones out there. That doesn't mean you have the place to go around smashing it. Listen, we have enough Facebook, YouTube pastors. Amen. We have enough people that are on the internet trying to pastor people electronically and give their opinion. I ask these people, I have credentials, I can do what I want, I got authority, amen. But people, there's some people out there, they don't have credentials, they don't have any authority. And here's the thing, I don't correct nobody, zero, I have, there's nobody I correct. The only I don't correct anybody, nobody, myself. You know why? Because I have no pastoral or apostolic, apostolic authority over anyone. And you have lay people going around trying to correct pastors pastors are someone said to me they said well should i correct the pastor i says is the pastor your pastor yeah no don't unless you want to get thrown out the church don't try and correct your pastor well i can go to him as a brother i says the bible says entreat him as a father in the lord first timothy 5 1 is anyone here to this morning so here are the principles look what it says here let us leave let us go on to perfection let us go on to perfection Yes, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. What is the foundation? He says the foundation of repentance from dead works. You know what that is? That is basically your testimony. Because it is tied to and a faith toward God. There are people that have wonderful testimonies. They have been pulled out of a life of sin and I know we overcome by the word of God, the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony. But there are people they got saved in 72 and all they have is my testimony. You ever see people, They only ounce of spirituality they have is to talk about what their life was like when they were in sin. You ever met someone like that? I was in sin. You know what I was doing when I was in sin? When I was in sin, you wouldn't believe. I was a wild animal when I was in sin. Man, I was doing things. You when I was in sin? I used to buy drugs. When I was in sin? Oh, yeah. This, that, and the other. Oh, when I was in sin. When I was in sin. When I was in sin. Makes you wonder if that guy is dead or if it wants to come back to life. Now, I was in sin. I was in sin. Oh, when I was in sin. I was in, Paul said this is foundation. Yes, when Jesus Christ pulled you up and out, you had a testimony to tell the whole world. But there has to be a point where you go on from maturity because any conscience that is pure before God, now listen, a pure conscience before God, what must it be purged from? Dead works. A pure conscience before God must not enjoy talking about sin anymore. There should be a point in your life where you say, okay, wrap it up. That's enough. Talk Talking about sin, because when you first came out of it, you were like yeah i 'm out of sin, but now you were you 're just talking about sin, talking about this. And there comes a point of maturity where you say, you know what, that's enough. There's other things that are better to talk about. I want to talk about the last revelation that God gave me, the last testimony that God did in my life. We think that overcoming by our testimony is our B.C. days. No, 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 no. Overcoming your testimony is a lot about, well, praise God. I overcame in 1983 when a financial miracle came back. I overcame last week when I saw my body healed. I overcome it. And you have all these testimonies built upon that one foundation when you repented. You ever see Christians just stuck, walking, just stuck, stuck in that same testimony, stuck in that same testimony, stuck in that same testimony. The only encounter they ever had was God was when they got saved. They have not encountered God only the time that they were saved. And the Apostle Paul was saying, leave it alone and move forward. What else you have here? And of faith toward God. The doctrine of baptisms. We know what the doctrine of baptisms are. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. The baptism of into Christ. Which means when you're baptized, you receive your reborn spirit. You also have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You have water baptism. And you have the baptism of suffering. Four baptisms in scripture. And you want to know something? The army churches never get these things right. The, bat, the doctrine of baptisms. And then I'm not going to talk about that, but the laying out of hands. Laying out of hands is a execution of God. It is a work of God. It's a dynamic of the holy Ghost. The laying out of hands. When you lay hands on people and set them into the ministry, when you lay hands on the sick, these are basic fundamental things. And notice what it says here. In of faith toward God, it says laying out of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. It's basic doctrines of Scripture that were being taught in the early church as systematics. And you know what the problem is today? In modern churches, all we do is we teach these in principle, Week after week, Sunday after Sunday, day after day week. And I'm not saying we get away from doctrine But what I'm saying is this We have laid the foundation And notice what Paul says here And this we will do What do you mean? We will talk about this if God permits And this we will do if God permits And this we will do if God permits If God permits What are you talking about? What are you talking about, Paul? There is something in Scripture called revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge, when you get it from God, you, take the, you have this foundation now before the Lord. You have a foundation of doctrine inside of your life. And you can now, by the Holy Ghost, begin to build upon this doctrine, the revelation that comes from God. What is revelation that comes from God? It's what is God saying now. It's when you start looking at the Word of God, and the Word of God begins to illuminate itself and begins to explode inside of your spirit you start getting revelation about praying in the Holy Ghost you start getting revelation that comes from God things you start seeing Jesus from the word of God you start seeing who you are inside of Jesus from the word of God you start seeing I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus you start seeing that I'm justified when this stuff starts happening in your life you know what starts happening movement is produced because when you have people that are just stuck in doctrine we're going to preach good doctrine that's all we're going to do is preach good doctrine here we preach good doctrine in this church praise God I know so do I I'm always working on my doctrine. But you know something? Those people, well, I don't just feel. We were talking about this. I just feel. I just feel. I just feel. I just feel. You know, I just feel that we should. Well, if that works for you. This talks to me about somebody who has no revelation. They have no revelation. There is no movement in their life. They're stuck. Well, today I feel. Tomorrow I feel. I'm compelled to do this. I'm compelled to do that. There is no exactitude in their life. There is no efficiency of what I believe. There is no idea. There is nothing. There is no clear line of what the Holy Ghost is saying in their life because they have not built upon that foundation. What do we use to build? Revelation that comes from God. Can I have 15 more minutes? All right, 1 Corinthians. Can the church say amen? Amen. That's good. That sounds good right there. I know you're with me. 1 Corinthians. And I'll go here to chapter 3. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul marks the vision that's going on in the church. The reason why the Corinthian church was carnal is because It says now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. When I had gone through the book of Corinthians, the problem with Corinth was this right here. This is the epicenter of all their issues and all their problems. They had divisions among them. And the reason they had divisions among them is because they were carnal. Nobody was hearing from God. There was no revelation. All it was was a simple doctrinal competition between the church at Corinth. We see this happening in churches today. Well, I follow Ed Young. I follow Joel Osteen. Well, I follow Rick Warren. Well, I follow this person. Guess what? These people are being carnal. Well, Rick Warren has the way, to truth, and the life. Joe Osteen has the truth, way, and the life. Ed Young has a way, to truth, and the life. And I'm not talking anything about these ministers. I'm talking about the people. This is who I follow. This is what I follow. You know what I start to realize? I start to realize what Paul said. These are mere men. These are mere men. And anything that Rick Warren has that's good and from God, I can have. Anything that Joel Osteen has that's good and from God, I can have. Anything that Ed Young that has that's good from God, I can have. Anything that Joe Schmo, the the snowblower man, has that's good, that's from God, I can have it. And I'm about to show you because there is something that we can tap in from God that will produce mass amounts of revelation inside of our life and build it upon this foundational truth of doctrine and can produce movement inside of our lives. Now watch this. So this is the division. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1... What begins to happen is that Paul begins to tell you that God does not pick people that are the chosen things of the world. As a matter of fact, God finds the the, the foolish things to shame the wise. Paul was putting out an a P.B., trying to tell people, don't go around and find the greatest orator. Do not go around and trying to find the most eloquent man. Because the hidden things of God, true nuggets and gems of revelation knowledge, true people of God, don't look like it on the outside. God doesn't look around and say, oh, over here we have the great orator from Greece. What was that? I forgot the guy's name. He was a great orator. Uh, starts with a P. He didn't pick those kind of people. Plato, Aristotle. God didn't look at Plato and Aristotle. God says, I'm going to find people that just want to be used by me, not people that are able, people that are available. And God says, OK. And so he says, this is chapter one. God finds the foolish things to shame the wise. Then he goes into chapter two. Now, I'm not going to get into chapter two. Chapter two is phenomenal because what Paul begins to do is he says, I did not come unto you with eloquency of speech. Now, here's the thing. Paul did not say he was incapable of eloquent speech. He says, "I choose not, I chose, choose not to use it. I chose not to use it. Why? Because it is not through your eloquency of speaking, it is not through your dialect and your comprehension, and it is not through your voracity of your dictionary that is going to get people saved. It is whether is there a tangible anointing on what you say. Somebody could come into the church at Corinth and they can use ten thousand words in their natural language and the Grecian language, and nobody gets saved and One man can come up here in their Greek language and say, "Jesus Christ is Lord," and the power start hitting the place. Why because there's a tangible anointing on that man's life and the apostle paul says i didn't come to you with eloquence of speech i came unto you with the demonstration of the spirit and with power and then the apostle paul showed you how it was possible in first corinthians 2 he begins to show you his root of revelation how he tapped in to the revelation of god and i'll get to that later probably this week then he says here in verse number three and brethren i could not speak unto you as babies but the carnal And if you jump down to verse number 5, because we read the first 4. Are you all here tonight, this morning, today, this afternoon? Are you here? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Now watch this. I have planted. Apollos have watered. But God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God gave the increase. You know what I used to think this verse meant? I thought this verse meant this. Well, we're going street witnessing today. And, uh, you know, there's other teams out there street witnessing. So we're going to knock on doors and tell people about Jesus. And they throw the door in their face and then breaks, you know, and tells us to get off the property. Well, at least we plant it. And there will become other people that come along and plant and plant and plant. And then, praise God, one day someone's going to come along. And, you know, they're going to finally have the straw that breaks the camel's back. And they're going to get saved. And they're the one that watered. And so I planted and they watered. And God gave the increase of souls to the glory of God. Paul was not talking about soul winning. Paul was talking about the maturity of the saints, people going on unto maturity, bringing people out of divisions, bringing people out of simple stripes that were ruining the church. This is what the Apostle Paul was saying. He was saying, you Corinthians, you Corinthians are so carnal. You don't realize the source. Don't you see that me and Apollos, Cephas, we're just mere men in whom the Holy Ghost is operating. I may have gotten to you first and Apollos may have gotten to you second. But if there's any increase inside of your life. If there's any revelation that has brewed inside of your spirit that is now coming up and causing you to walk inside of that revelation, I wasn't the source and Apollo wasn't the source. The source of that revelation is the Holy Ghost. And the same Holy Ghost that was given to me is the same Holy Ghost that was given to Apollos and the one that is now working in Peter, he is the same Holy Ghost that is now available to every single person in the church at Corinth. So will you stop being carnal, get your eyes off of the fleshly vessel and start putting on the Spirit of God and start putting your emphasis upon the Holy Ghost because if you continue to look at mere men, you're going to continue to circle the same mountain over and over, running to and from conferences, running here and there, just believing that they'll come out with part two of that book and that's never going to set you free. What's going to set you free is when you get a true, authentic relationship with the Holy Ghost and you learn how to hear His voice so that He can build revelation Upon the doctrine that I laid to you the first time And pull you up out of that jam Whew. He was encouraging them to turn themselves over To the mighty holy ghost That's what the Lord told me When I started my ministry He says people will follow you He said but here's the thing Don't ever teach them to follow you. Teach them to turn themselves over to the Holy Ghost. Someone said to me, why do you preach so much on the Holy Ghost? Because I cannot turn anybody over to Jesus. The Holy Ghost speaks of Jesus. And if I speak of Jesus and testify of him, I only do it because of the spirit that's working through me. And so if I'm going to turn people over to Jesus, I first got to turn them over to the spirit of God. Paul says here. He says here, I'm going to skip this part right here because I'm going to close here in just a second. He says, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seems to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Verse 18. Let him become a fool to the things of this world. Verse 19, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he that taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise. They are vain. Therefore, let no man glory or man. Look what he says here in verse number 21. This is why you never let any preacher treat you like a dog. This is why when preachers come in and they act so pompous, they come walking in. I've seen them. They come walking pompous like they are God's greatest thing going. And they try and make it like if anyone's flown in power around here is me you got that? You're not flowing in power. You haven't spent the hours in prayer that I spent. You haven't made the sacrifice that I met. Here's the thing. It doesn't take sacrifice to flow in power. As a matter of fact, the reason why you spend hours praying in the Holy Ghost is not some formula. You know why? You don't get to 60 hours praying in the Holy Ghost and hit another level and then get to 80 hours and hit another level. Some people are convinced if I just pray enough in the Ghost, I'm going to get to the next level and God's going to put enough minutes in my bank where I can have gifts of healing and I'm going to get enough minutes in my bank. That's not how it works. The reason Why are you praying the Holy Ghost? It's because it's a revelation gift. And the only thing that it takes for you to flow in miracles and power is, number one, you must believe you got to believe there's only one requirement to work the works of God Smith Wigglesworth said it best only believe Smith what is the secret to your power I believe what I'm saying you get that that's it I told my friend one time he says how do you flow in power I said watch this as if Jesus Christ came into this Applebee's and he touched the man in his legs and he got up out of that wheelchair if you walked over to that person and touched the ears and the deaf ear popped open if he started opening up blind eyes and then he came up to you and says I am Jesus go and tell and do likewise would you go in your closet and launch a 40 day fast would you go go praying in the Holy Ghost until your tongue rolls out of your mouth onto the carpet floor and you have to pick it up and wag it around to make it move? No. What you would do is you would walk into Walmart and start telling people and say, let me tell you about Jesus. And here's the thing. People would be so convinced because they see that you believe, that they would believe what you're saying, and you have now become a witness of Jesus. Why? Because you have revelation. This is how movement in the church starts. And so praying in the Holy Ghost, the reason you do it is because it unveils who you are in Jesus. It brings revelation, not to your life if you had all revelation, you know why we won't pray in the Holy Ghost when we get to heaven because all knowledge has been revealed There's no need to pray in the Holy Ghost because when you pray in the spirit, you're just speaking out mysteries What mystery is going to remain when we get to heaven that we are to speak in it? No need for it. All things are revealed in heaven But as long as there remaineth mysteries as long as our knowledge continues to be veiled there is need for praying in tongues And Paul said this, don't let anybody come and treat you like a dog. Don't put too much emphasis upon what people say and how they say it. Put emphasis upon establishing a relationship with the Spirit of God. Because while you're idolizing Apollos, while you idolize me, while you idolize Cephas, look what's going on in the church. There's fornicating. There are people that are taking each other to court. There are people that don't understand how to operate in tongues. There are people that don't understand spiritual gifts. And nobody is walking in love and you're abusing the Eucharist. He says if you begin to put emphasis upon having the Spirit of God in your life, there will be not only personal movement in your life, there will be corporate movement inside of the church and you'll begin to go from glory to glory. And that's what the church has to realize. If we want movement, we must place an emphasis upon the Spirit of God, establishing your own personal relationship with the Holy Ghost. How do you do that? Tonight we're gonna talk about it. Everyone's looking at me like I'm a zebra. I teach people all the time. You know what the greatest thing you can do? You need the doctrine. You can get that doctrine from anybody that's teaching the right doctrine. Sit in. Go to believers class. Go to membership class. We don't do membership. We don't believe in having members. Well, then you're never going to have members. <laughs> people going to float around and drift. You should have membership. I, 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 membership class, I mean, if you don't. Hey, listen, I believe in membership class. How about that? Father, I probably would do. I would think I would do membership class. Teach people. Teach them. Well, we don't do. You know, we don't do believe. Listen. You need to teach people doctrine, so they have a foundation, so they don't get moved with every fad. Then you build upon it, revelation, and that comes when you have an authentic relationship with the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God can illuminate. That's why people that have—that's what motivated Paul when Paul was going through his problems and his issues, all these perils, journeys, and robbers. What was inside of Paul? It was the fuel of revelation. Every time he would go and to a shipwreck or a storm, there was an image of Jesus inside of him that he would begin to bear down. And he'd say, oh yes, I'm going to keep on moving. And every time he was in prison, he'd bear down on that image. Oh yes, I'm going to keep on moving. And every time the apostle Paul was being whipped with stripes and they left him for dead, some even say that he died in the book of Acts and that his experience that he had in 2 Corinthians 12 was when he was dead. We won't know it until we talk to him in heaven, but be as it may, he would still bear down on that image. Oh yes. And as a matter of fact, it got to a point where the devil says, there's nothing I can do to stop this man because of the abundance of revelations that he was having. What was Paul's revelations? What was the source of that revelation? He told you in the book of Corinthians when he says that in chapter 2, he talks about for the wisdom that we have in the world is mysterious. He talked about a wisdom that he would speak, and he talked about not the wisdom of this world. The thing that Paul had that was producing mass amounts of revelation in his life was his relationship that he had with the Holy Ghost. He really had a relationship with the Spirit of God, and this is a source of all of the things that will pull us out of our difficulty. That is why I tell people it is not an option for you to get the fullness of the Holy Ghost in your life. It is a necessity because you will come along perils. You will run this race, and listen, if you don't have a relationship with the mentor, the tutor, the Holy Ghost, you're going to get to a place in your life where there will be a peril that stops you. There will be a robber that robs you of your last dime. There will be something that comes along that knocks you so far off course. But when you have the spirit of God, he can continue to pump revelation into your spirit. He can continue to paint pictures of the glorious and mighty Jesus. He can continue to show you how wonderful the healer is. He can continue to illuminate into your mind who you are, the righteous man in Christ, what this born again man has now become inside of jesus and nothing in heaven or on earth like i said before not death nor life not angels nor principality not death no nothing can keep you from the love of god that's inside of jesus why because you have a constant supply of fuel that you don't have to pay for free paid by heaven and he's called the holy ghost amen stand to your feet let's worship god this morning amen stand to your feet Let's worship the Lord. Hostramakishe. Thank you, Jesus. Eflomoritishe. Tingres dande. Shom the lift your hands to God and worship him. Asa brofadesta diste. Cambloste etiste kufunda arasta chenderiste. Tinda arasa. Now, Vanessa, the Lord got on me last night because I was supposed to lay hands on you. So come up here. I'm gonna pray for you. You were telling me about the circulation. I want to pray for you. I could have someone behind her in case. Yambrosa yeah, I'm going to anoint you with oil. We called someone out with circulation last night. And Vanessa told me it was her. And I would not prompting to lay hands on someone. But we went ahead. So I'm going to just pray for you this morning. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your hands. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your hands. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Let's pray in the Holy Let's just minister to the Lord right now. Believe me, says the Lord. Believe those things which I have written in my word believe that i am who i say i am and before anything existed i was and i am and will always be i am he who was yesterday today i exist and tomorrow i will be forever so worship me in the tabernacle of this house lift your hands and lift your voice ask me for songs ask me for songs says the lord ask me for songs and i'll fill your heart with songs ask me for a mind in a supply oh i hear the lord saying a supply listen i hear the lord saying there's a supply you've asked me for songs you told others you want songs and there's a supply says the lord down deep in your spirit but lord how do i communicate these songs how do i speak these songs just worship me in the quietness of your own heart worship me while you lie upon your bed you'll have time says the lord when you feel the spirit kick in your belly and when you feel that kick in your belly elissa the lord says start singing unto me and you'll produce songs and those songs will set many people free yes says the lord there'll be timeless songs songs that don't fade away but songs that continue to be sung from day to day. So you continue to ask me for songs, and I'll continue to provide, for I am the Lord, the one who is on your side. Giving you wisdom, giving you understanding so that you may sing, giving you understanding so people can be set free. For there is a greater vocal gift than what you have known. It's a greater vocal gift that come and shall be shown. It's a vocal gift that shall be heard, for I will make you sing sweeter than a bird. Come on, give God some praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> Wo sagato deste yonda ha Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. O strephenico de la so roto baste, go to sti de tenda rasa do fasaka, yenda rabasa don doro for I, the Lord, in breaking sorrow off of your life yes says the Lord I am removing you from all those places of strife and I am healing wounds that are inside your heart and I will pull you farther and farther apart from all those things that have kept you at a distance oh says the Lord this is a time to listen listen to my voice as I speak clearly to your heart listen to me says the Lord and faith I will impart not faith for tomorrow but faith for today to live day by day for lust, says the Lord I am making you alive. And oh, in my word, you will begin to thrive higher and higher as you begin to elevate. Oh, says the Lord, in my word, you'll begin to demonstrate. Demonstrate all the good... Demonstrate all the good things that are inside of me and how indeed I've already set you free for thus saith the Lord This is time to be full of praise and here's what I want you to do Your hands shall be raised for this is a time where you shall enter into rest You shall see says the Lord how wonderfully wonderfully blessed you have been made inside this new creation Reality. Oh, this is the spirit. I shall give thee the spirit of seeing in the spirit of knowing and they shall say, my sister in the Lord is not the same for all. From your face shall radiate My love This shall be a season Where you go forward For I am making you new I am making all things free And yes says the Lord Inside of thee There was lots of disappointment There was lots of confusion But what you didn't see Says the Lord Was this was a spirit And in the name of Jesus I break every spirit of confusion Off of this mind Every is it A or is it B You said to the Lord What does this verse mean And the Lord says I'm going to give to you that Holy Ghost. So welcome it inside of your life and speak in speaking tongues and let the river flow. And all the things from Scripture I will show. Give God some praise. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There's a new day for you. Praise God. A new day. Thank you, Jesus. Oh Let's just praise God. There's a joyful spirit here right now. Sorrow is leaving you, sister. I just prayed for your Sorrow is leaving you. That spirit of confusion is bound from your life right now. It is bound in the name of Jesus. It is bound right now. I'll break the grip of that thing in Jesus' name. I'll break its power that deceptive spirit that spirit that has come to confuse i hear the lord say a spirit was put around you like a shroud trying to veil up understanding i'll break its power over your life and i release revelation to come into your soul and there'll be a healing says the spirit even down deep in your digestive system says the lord there'll even be a healing inside of your bones as the pressure in your body it relieves says the spirit pain inside of your Lay shall be removed, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Even in your joints, hallelujah. Rosso koto sondo Even for you too, just receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hako. Oh. We sing praises to your name, Jesus. We sing praises to your name. We sing praises to your name, Jesus. Jesus, we sing praises to your name. Come on, just someone minister to God in the song. Let's say the church sing, I sing praises to your name. I'm not the best singer. Praises to your name. Come on, let's sing. Welcome is glory. Praises to your name. Come on, welcome is spirit here. Oh, Lord. For your name. Come on, I want everyone singing. And greatly to be praised. Come on, as you sing, darkness will lift. Darkness will lift. I sing praises to your name. Come on, faithful, will arise. Oh Lord. Faith will arise. Praises to your name. Oh Lord. Come on, believe God for healing. For your name. Me his grace and praise thee to be prayed. Come on, lift it up. I say praises to your name. Oh, come on, get deeper in this. Praises to your name. Arthritis will leave. Arthritis will go. will be made strong. Hallelujah. Pain will leave bodies in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Just receive. Just receive. There's some behind you. Just receive. Just receive. Just receive. Receive the blessing of God. Sister, lift your hands. Brother, right? Lift your hands. Take a deep breath in. Just receive. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, one more time. I sing glory to your name. Come on, out of your spirit. Open up. Open up yourself to God. Open up yourself for God. He's a mighty God. Fire of God. Fire of God. Come on, ask God for his fire. Not enough just to have the word. You need fuego. Fire from the Spirit of God. You need fire from the Spirit. Fire from the Spirit. Fire from his Spirit. Fire from his Spirit. Fire from his Spirit. You need fire from the Spirit of God. Fire from the Spirit of God. Fire inside of your belly. Like old days, says the Lord. It'll be fire like as of old. Burning up all of the questions. All of the confusion. Fire from the Spirit right now. Fire from the Spirit. It's the unquenchable fire. A fire from the Spirit. A fire from the Spirit. We want believers that operate in fire. People that have fire in their life, a fire that can't be quenched. Just like you had it when you were younger. Just like you had it when you were first born again. You will have it now. Fire in your belly. Fire motivating you. Fire driving you. Fire driving you. Fire driving you. Rising praises to your name. Thank you, Jesus. The spirit of faith. The spirit of faith. Your hands how many know he's here how many know he's here this afternoon one more time around give God your best there's freedom I see an American flag that represents freedom freedom from some believers freedom from ruts of thinking freedom from dryness and coldness in your life may God impart to you fire fire not just a fire brewed from the word fire that comes from his spirit When the Holy Ghost begins to possess you oh Scott, Possess your spirit When the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you and is in control of you He possesses you and it's fire Fire comes out of your belly You can't contain it It's just fire It's just an unquenchable fire How many are thankful? Lift your hands Lift your hands Minister to you. He's on you. He's sweeter than what you think He is, He's kinder to you, He's more loving, He wants better things for you than what you believe. You can't fully comprehend them, but you're getting there. All the things of God that you can't fully comprehend, we know one thing about Him, they're good. All the things that we don't know about God, they're higher levels of love. Every step you take deeper in Him, you find more love. You find more power. You find out He's gooder and gooder and gooder and better and better and better. Praise God. Amen. How me receive something from God this morning. Amen. How me feel the presence of God. People are receiving a knowing and understanding. Some people are looking for jobs. Some people here, God is quickening to you. You're going to wake up with a knowing. Amen. We could sing all day. Look up here, church. How many felt the touch from God? Lift your hands. How many feel the Spirit? We want to continue to uh go forth in the things of God that he has for us this weekend. But we need a break, amen? We want a break. We're going to be back here. Connie, what time are we? 7 p.m.? We're going to be back here at 7. This is what I want you to do. You know, we've been teaching and everything, and we want to flow with the Spirit as the Spirit wills. We're going to want to try and move into things. And uh so come back and bring your expectation, bring your expectancy. You know, I'm a word of faith person to the bone, but I'm also Pentecostal to the bone, amen? And I don't mind sometimes shouting and jumping and running if the Holy Ghost hits us that way. Praise God. You know, we want to pray for people. We want to believe God. There's one thing. I love the word, but we also need the spirit. Amen. And also fire. You know, some people say we need the spirit. We need the spirit and fire. Fire. You know, when the spirit of God gets a holy. I remember when I got baptized in the spirit. See, the thing about it is, some say, well, I'm thankful that I got the Holy Ghost. You know what I say? I'm thankful the Holy Ghost has me. The Holy Ghost got me. He got a hold of me when I was 13 years old. And my life hasn't been the same. I mean, he really got a hold of me. He gripped me. And he placed in me fire that has not died. We want to go for that fire. Amen? Amen. Well, go get you a chicken wing. Amen? And we'll be back here at 7 o'clock tonight. How many love your pastor? Amen? How many believe in your pastor? Amen. Amen? Well, we love you. Is there anything else, pastor, that we need to do? We're all set? Okay, we're all set. Well, praise God. Well, we will see you here tonight.